You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Well, come on, baby, don't you wanna go? Back to the same old place, sweet home, Chicago. Welcome back, Bears fans. Another edition of Bears Nation Podcast Playoff Edition. Something that we haven't been able to say in two years. And it feels weird to say because the Bears kind of backdoored themselves in. But nevertheless, the Bears are a playoff team at 8-8. Eight and eight. Two playoff appearances in three years, likely saving the jobs of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. But that's neither here nor there. Because we are here to break down the upcoming game which will be 3.30 Central Time in New Orleans against the Saints on Sunday, and which is so convenient somehow that Sunday, the Bears just happen to fall on Sunday when Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray are off COVID designation. You know, crazy how that works, right? But we'll get into that. Myself, Jake Hassan, joined by Chris Nano and Kevin Lapka, as always. All three of us here to break down the Bears' upcoming playoff matchup against the New Orleans Saints the number two seed Saints, who are getting healthy again, is which is kind of scary. Drew Brees back after that whole rib lung injury. He's been back for a couple weeks. As I said, Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray are coming off COVID designation, COVID list. So they will be eligible to play And what is just such a convenient thing for the Saints. And Michael Thomas has also been practicing this week. So he will likely be back a top five receiver, arguably top three receiver in the league. Also back for the Saints. So they're getting all their weapons back, boys, uh, for Drew Brees to work with. Their defense is already very good. The Bears are 10.5-point underdogs coming into this game. Uh, and, and before I pass to Kevin, just an important distinction to make for this game that I think is going to have a big impact. Usually New Orleans is a very, 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 very hard place to play on the road, especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But there's no fans. So I, I think this works in the Bears' favor in that aspect. But... Playoff, uh, I must have playoff baseball, playoff football for the Bears, first time in a year. Uh, let's see what we've learned from, you know, the last couple weeks and see if you can beat a winning team this time. Let me kind of start this off with a little bit of a flashback. We're recording this on January 8th. Uh, it's Friday. We'll do a little bit of a, a flashback Friday, uh, as you sometimes see on Instagram or whatever, FBF. January 8th, 2011 was the Beast Quake, the NFC wildcard round, the infamous Marshawn Lynch incredible 50-yard run where he's breaking off tackles. Let's give some context to that game. Seattle was 7-9, and nine, so they won their division. They had home field advantage, though, against the 11-5 and five New Orleans Saints. All right, Seahawks went in and won that game 41-36, to 36, and Seattle was under 500. And that is was 10 years ago on this exact day that we're recording. So I'm going to save a little bit of a nugget from this for my bold prediction later, but it's it's just too perfect for me to bring this up that, look, the Saints, and not just 10 years ago, but recently, they've struggled against some teams in the playoffs. Last year, guys, in 2019, uh, well, it was 2020, the Vikings went in as the sixth seed, 10-6, and six, and defeated the Saints, who were the three seed, in the first round of the playoffs and they were 13 and three. They just barely missed out on that one and two seed Packers had one or the 49ers had one Packers had two. So the saints got the third seed. They lost to the Vikings last year. This is a game that the bears can win. They have the talent to do it. 
History shows that the Saints have had a lot of trouble in the playoffs in the past 10 years, especially with teams that they are supposed to be much better than. Um, Drew Brees is not getting any younger. He... This is all I'm saying. Is this is a game they can win, and I loved looking at this, you know, analogy from ten years ago with that Beast Quake game, and then last year with the Vikings. It just got me excited because, again, the conversation all week—you heard it from the players, you heard it from fans, you heard it from everybody around the league—is that the Bears have no shot. How you heard it from Vegas, who li- who listed them as ten and a half point underdogs, as Jake mentioned. First of all, cash me that. Give me that. Uh, bet all day. I'm taking that. Give me, I'll put $50 on it. I don't care. I don't think they're losing by more than 10. Um, but this is the game they can win. And we, we know history shows this. So I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Um, anything can happen. They're in. And this is a Saints team that, you know, historically has not, you know, lived up to their expectations against teams that they're supposed to be 10 and a half points better than. So Chris, I don't know if you're feeling good, if you're feeling different after the last time we recorded this, I know we were all, you're a little bit iffy, but this is five days later. We're all in. We're just three days away from the Bears' first playoff game since 2018, only the fifth time in the past 20 years. This is exciting, and I, I feel like I know your hype is is back up to where it should be. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. Like, this is, um, you know, you, Kevin, you've made it a point of emphasis pretty much all year. Like, this is, you know, this is why fans root for their football teams, you know, like, like this is what it, this is what it's all about. Um, and you know, they, they, I'm not going to sit here and act like the bears are a better team than the saints. I'm just not going to do it. But, you know, I do think the saints are vulnerable. I, I do believe that. Um, and, and you know, they, they just haven't been too convincing this year. And, and I think that's where, you know, this kind of stems from, but look, if this game, just to kind of put it into perspective, if this game was in Chicago, I genuinely think I would take the Bears to upset the Saints. I'm not even kidding. Mm-hmm. I just there's just something about Drew Brees in a dome that he just plays better um, in any dome, but especially in New Orleans. I mean, that's he's familiar with it. It, it, it there's a different speed level inside that dome, um, and the Saints just know how to play up to that speed. So, you know, that's that's a factor that I think. Um, the Bears defense is going to have to be ready for. Uh, you guys brought it up. MT's back. Alvin's probably going to be back. Um, you know, it, it, they're going to have their work cut out for them, but anything can happen. Um, and, and like you guys said, I mean, the players are, are, are taking, you know, people counting them out as disrespect. I mean, I, I think there's evidence. Like, I, I can't blame people for thinking like that, but, you know, if you want to prove people wrong, don't talk about it. Just prove it. Go out there on Sunday, get this yeah. dub, and tell everyone to shut the hell up. That's how you do it. So, as Kevin mentioned earlier, uh, we're recording this on Friday uh, on January 8th. And that reason is because uh, the injury issues that the Bears are facing. And we wanted to wait until the official uh, injury report came out and until we had a clearer picture of what was going to be going on on Sunday. Because as everyone knows... Jalen Johnson's been out for a couple weeks. Buster Screen's been out. He's out for the season. Concussion stuff, we've been been known about that. Then Roquan Smith and Josh Woods got injured against the Packers. Darnell Mooney got injured against the Packers. So we had a conversation, the three of us, earlier this week where we said, all right, we're going to wait. We're going to see because Wednesday we were going to record, and then we heard that there were going to be no injury designations released because the Bears wanted to wait until Friday, which – Tactically, by Matt Nagy is a good move because then the Saints have to prepare for as if Roquan and yes. Jalen Johnson were all going to play. And then and if they don't find out they're not playing until Friday, then they have to adjust, so on and so forth. So we decided that we were going to wait until everything came out. And so it has. And that's why we're recording this um, Friday afternoon. 
Um, and here's how it goes. Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith, and uh, Darnell Mooney are all listed as questionable for Sunday. Now, the thing with that is uh, Josh Woods is also questionable. Here's the thing with that, though. Roquan and Mooney both did not practice at all. Now, Jalen Johnson has practiced every single day, I believe. Yeah. So, And he's been limited, but still, he's been practicing. Here's the thing with that. Um, so it looks like Johnson's going to play because this is the first time he's practiced consistently since before the injury. So I think that's a good sign. And I had, had said before that I thought they were saving him for either last week's game against the Packers, which did not prove to be true. He didn't play. Uh, or if they got into the playoffs for now, which he's been practicing. So I think it's safe to assume that we're going to see Johnson starting. Um, mm-hmm. Now, Roquan and Mooney did not practice. Elbow injury, let's start with Roquan, because I think elbow injuries are so weird and they you never really know what's going on with them because there's just so much, you know, it could be bones, it could be ligaments, it could be muscle, whatever, in the elbow, and you never really know, which I think is why he hasn't practiced. He's listed as questionable, so it doesn't rule out that he's not going to play. But on first glance, I would probably venture to say no, uh, and, I, and I would venture to say that Roquan is not going to play. Uh, Josh Woods is also questionable. Our guy, friend of the program, uh, he's a little bit more tricky at a toe injury, which is also very weird. So that's hard to say, <laughs> like what's going to go on there. He did practice all week though. So I would probably say if Roquan's out, probably fair to assume that, uh, Josh Woods is going to be in there. I think Mooney's going to play. Yes. Lastly, I, I think Mooney's going to play, even though he didn't practice all week. I think that the fact that he's still questionable, I think, I, I think, I, I don't know why, because also early in the week, almost immediately after the game, they said they're hopeful he's going to play. So I think it's just one of those things where they're keeping him safe. And maybe if they do a walkthrough tomorrow, he does a little bit of work, but I would venture to say Mooney's going to play. Um, so I, I'm not too worried. I, I would, I think right now, I think you're going to see Johnson. You're going to see Woods. You're going to see Mooney. I don't think you're going to see Roquan. I'm all in agreement with that. You heard Matt Nagy's press conference today. A reporter asked him, you know, you got to do it. And, you know, he, you know how he was going to kind of answer. But a reporter was like, well, is Rokon going to play? Like, what do you think? What's his status? And he, it was a very bleak response. He was like, well, you know, these, these guys, they're, they're questionable. So that's where they're at. It was a very Matt Nagy response. You know, uh, this is where they're at. They're questionable. But I do think it was kind of a response where Jake hinted at it. You just kind of want to leave the New Orleans Saints guessing. You know, you know, make sure they can't fully prepare for a guy like Josh Woods or even a guy like Iggy, uh, Joel. I'm not going to pronounce the last name. I'm going to call him Joel Iggy. Joel Iggy um, in there at inside linebacker. If he has to move in there, if Woods is gone, like this is a situation where I don't think Roquan is going to play. But Matt Nagy doesn't want to give that full information to the Saints just yet. So I think what uh, Jake's uh, guesses were is 100% correct. You're going to see Jalen Johnson. You're going to see Darnell Mooney. What on bar guys, uh, another friend of the program, Austin F. He plays COD, Call of Duty with Darnell Mooney all the time. Said they were talking. He said um, from Darnell Mooney that it, it looked, Darnell Mooney told him that he's going to probably, probably going to play, really wants to play. Um, and in a game like this, in such an important game, those guys, even if they're not 100% healthy, but are capable to play, they are going to play. So I think that's what the, the situation you're looking at here for Johnson and Mooney. But Roquan is is a different story. It's a story where we've had no information about it all week. You know, we haven't heard anything about an x-ray. We haven't heard anything about an MRI. We haven't heard anything about uh, really any other injury update aside from, you know, the practice update. So that 
in itself is kind of concerning as far as his status. So I'm all in on that. I don't think you see Roquan, but I think you will see everybody else. So at least you get those guys back. But the loss of Roquan is, is you know, something you can't really quantify. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm with you guys 100%. Um, obviously, we won't know until it's time. But um, if I had to guess right now, uh, I'm, I'm saying Jalen and Darnell play and Roquan is out. Um, just from everything we've been hearing, I, I feel like that's kind of how it's been trending. Um, but then again, like you never know, you never know. And there, there could be some gamesmanship going on, you know? So, um, I've seen that thrown around a little bit as well. So we're just going to have to wait and see, um, man, going into this game without Roquan like that, that would hurt, man. That would hurt a lot. So here's the thing. Let, let's start with Roquan. We'll, we'll move through and we'll talk about the, positives of getting Jalen Johnson back because these kind of tie in together and then we'll talk about Mooney but starting with I mean if you lose Roquan obviously he's a star he's what second in the league in tackles he finished uh he's been great all year he's fantastic against the run he's good against the pass um whereas Woods Woods is good against the run uh and, and for the Saints because here's the thing with the Saints Drew Brees can't throw the ball like Aaron Rodgers can like Drew Brees yeah, is not throwing 40, 50 yard pass, 60 yard passes down the field. And so, you know, Drew Brees is going to try and beat you across the middle. He's going to try and beat you 15, 20 yards down the sideline, but that's it. So yeah. I think you can survive this game losing Roquan because you, because as long as Josh Woods is fine in coverage, I like him better against the run and, you know, obviously it's hard to fill Roquan Smith's shoes, but you don't have to worry about Josh Woods trying to keep up with a wide receiver down the field. You don't have to worry about And to that point, you don't have to worry about Cleo Mack or Robert Quinn trying to keep someone contained on the sideline because uh-huh. Drew Brees isn't throwing bombs down the field. You just got to if you scheme this right, you can contain them. Even that's even with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas back because they're going to be across the field. They're going to try and go across the middle of the field. Um you know, you're not going to see plays like that MVS play that where Danny Trevathan got burned. So I think that works in the Bears' favor here. Um, also, in, in that, and I said the Jalen Johnson thing ties into this, getting Jalen Johnson back is, I think, the biggest thing here because that leads wow. Duke Shelley to go back to the nickel, or back to the slot, I mean. And I think that's just a huge trickle-down effect because now you can with, now you can put Kyle Fuller on Michael Thomas and not be worried about, all right, well, what, well, Duke Shelley has to be on Alvin Kamara now. Oh, we don't love that. Like now you have Jalen Johnson back and now you, you can have that trickle down where you're more comfortable with those guys. Because like I said, Josh Woods is fine in coverage. I think if you keep him in the middle and then you play him well against the run, cause he plays the run pretty well. Uh, your defense is going to benefit from this. Now, granted the rest of the defense has to play better than they've been playing the last couple weeks. Um, you know, you need Khalil Mack to show up. And I know that the grades came out. He was an all pro uh, today and he's been the highest rated uh, outside linebacker. But still, I, I mean, the rest of this defense needs to show up because getting Johnson back is a huge boost. But unless these other guys, unless Eddie Jackson starts playing better, unless these linebackers start playing better, uh, unless even some of the guys on the DOI, unless you get people playing better and playing like we know they can, uh, you're not going to be in this game very long. 
And the one guy we didn't even bring up when we talk about that injury report is Deion Bush. And I think people are kind of undermining the impact of Deion Bush at times, especially when you are running those nickel and dime packages, is he comes in as that nickel defender sometimes. And he's he's pretty damn good when he comes in there. We've seen him make plays. I think he got an interception earlier this year. Maybe it was this year or last year. But he, he comes in there and he makes plays. And if you guys remember when we had Clifton Duck on here in the past, the one guy he said who he thought was going to be a superstar in the future was Deion Bush. Um, so that is a guy, especially when you talk about those nickel packages that you really needed back. And now that he is likely going to be back as well, um, I think he's not even, I think he's wasn't listed as questionable, right? Like he's a full go at this point, pretty much uh, based off the injury report. Take a look, but I think he's going to play. So, so that's a really important aspect to look at too, because, you know, Bush is a little bit, you know, Deon, you can survive. Deon Bush Deon- was full all week. He there you go. So, you can survive DHC, DeAndre Houston Carson, but I, in my opinion, Bush is an upgrade there. And if you want to do – like, because the thing is, like, they might be thrust into a situation where, okay, Roquan's out. You know, we know Chuck Pagano likes to do this in the first place, but let's run more nickel and dime packages just because we don't have our guy Roquan in there. Maybe we will have a little bit more success with this personnel because we have guys uh, who are a little bit more experienced there instead of Josh Woods. I don't know. I think that's something they could do potentially. So so having uh, Dion Bushback is actually a lot more important than people really do think. So you you have to look out for that name because, you know, the guy can make plays. The guy can play. We have a testament from a former teammate of his. Like, the guy can play. He just hasn't really been given a full opportunity. But when his moment comes in, you know he's going to be ready to ball. Yeah, I, I do uh, agree with the fact that Jalen Johnson coming back would be, I mean, just as big, you know, as, the, as whatever happens with Roquan because – I mean, you're talking about a scenario where you can put Jalen Johnson maybe even on Michael Thomas because he's, you know, a little bit more physical. um, And, and, you know, he has that bigger frame, whereas, you know, Fuller might be better suited against a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who's a little more twitchy, a little quicker. Uh Um, And, and, you know, that that's, you know, having Jalen Johnson there would be huge. But, um, you know, I I, I just want it like I just want to make it a point of emphasis like you're losing arguably an all pro defensive player. Like th- there's, there's a very not good arguably. chance. Yeah. Not okay, arguably. Well, well yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll give you that one. But like, there's a very good chance that, that, you know, what we're talking about may not be enough because of losing Roquan. Like, I just want people to understand that. Like mm-hmm. y- it's a huge loss and, and there's no way around that. Um, but getting Jalen Johnson back would be huge. Um, and, and don't be surprised if you see some Jalen Johnson on Michael Thomas. We have Wait, news, that, Jake. Oh, we, have we have news, news? real quick. We have, we have breaking news. Oh, uh, Saints defensive it. lineman Trey Hendrickson, who is second in the NFL in sacks, who actually wreaked havoc against the Bears the first time these two teams played, is out for Sunday's oh. game. So as we're talking about injuries, that's that's a huge loss for the Saints just released. I think that, yeah. that that seems kind of unexpected. So I just want to throw it in. That, that's breaking news here live. We're seeing that live that's for huge. us uh, as we're recording. Uh, top defensive lineman Troy Hendrickson, their second in the NFL in sacks, is out for Sunday's game. So that frees up some things for the Bears' offense. Yeah, that that's – I mean, Trey Hendrickson has been phenomenal this year. Like, I mean, I, I can't believe he hasn't been talked about more – um, he has 13 and a half sacks this season, I believe, which, um, yep, 13 and a half sacks, which is actually second most in the entire league, guys. So that's a pretty yep. big deal. Pretty big freaking deal. 
yeah, I mean, that's huge, especially because, like Kevin said, he had a he was really good against the Bears the first time they met uh, a few months ago. And that was before the Bears even figured out their offensive line combination that's been playing way better, too. So, yeah, I mean, that's the more time you can give Mitch Trubisky in this game, uh, the more the more likely for success he is. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's very big. That's huge breaking news. See, aren't you glad we waited, boys? See, aren't you glad we waited now? Um, (laughs) No, but just to just to go back to the defense really quick before, uh, because I want to talk about Mooney for a second after this, but to go back to the defense really quick. And you guys mentioned Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas. And I mean, Duke Shelley's quick enough to to keep up with Alvin Kamara in my eyes, because let's be honest, Alvin Kamara is the second, third, you know, he, he's always an option in this offense with Drew Brees. So uh, I, I just, like I said, the trickle down effect of what you're going to be able to do now is way more impactful because yeah, if you had Roquan back, great. But I think in this particular scenario, you can survive without Roquan better than you would be able to survive without Jalen Johnson in this game specifically. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I look, it's, these are two good players, very good players in Jalen Johnson, Roquan Smith. Bottom line is I think we would all rather have them both. So right. Yeah, sure. But, right. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I just got right. I mean, fact of the matter is that you're probably only going to have Johnson though. Um, yeah. Really quick, though, uh, I want to talk about Mooney. I mean, speaking of things you can do in dealing with losses, in the event that Mooney doesn't play, I think that two months ago, even a month ago, this would have been a devastating loss for this offense. And and if he doesn't play, it's still a big loss because he's your number two receiver uh, for a reason. He's been unbelievable all year. He's got, what, 60 catches uh, as a rookie. He's been great. Uh, he had, the, obviously, that 50-plus-yard catch uh, against the Packers. Um, but I think you're better equipped to handle it now because you've seen more Cole Komet. You've seen more Dave Montgomery. You've seen signs of life from Anthony Miller and you still have Jimmy Graham. So I, I, I just, and I think Komet's the big one here because we know Komet can run. We know he can catch. We know he can run after the catch. Um, so if you have to incorporate a little more Komet, I'm fine with that because he's shown he can handle the receptions. He can handle the targets, but I, as opposed, and obviously like Chris said with Roquan and Johnson, you'd rather have both. Obviously you'd rather have Mooney, but the fact of the matter is you might not. And I just think I'm a little more optimistic about this offense, even if he doesn't play because they have been incorporating guys like Komet more and not been so tunnel vision. hundred percent. I mean, they're not as one dimensional as say the last time these two teams played, right? Um, you know, Donna Mooney wasn't a legit weapon the last time these two teams played. I believe he had, oh, he had five catches for 69 yards. and Okay, maybe I'm wrong. He had five catches for 69 yards and a touchdown the last time these two teams played. But you mentioned we've still seen growth from that point. Like, that was a great game for him back early on in the season. And now, like, he he looks like a completely different player, like a guy who's completely acclimating the offense. He's ready to go. He's doing the right things when he catches the ball. Um, so, so there is something to be said for that. But I think you're right. Um Yes, they have other weapons, but you if he is out, which I don't think he will be, you do have to see a guy like Anthony Miller step up. Like, yes, you can go to other places like Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham and those guys who are still there, but 
that can't just happen while Anthony Miller is absent. Like he has to step up and, and Anthony Miller had eight receptions for 73 yards. The last time these two teams played, he was getting good targets and he was getting the ball. Um, he has to make plays next time around. He made a very good play against the Packers. I believe it was on a third down that really low. It was kind of a low ball to him. He, you know, had glue on his hands there, kept it with him and got the first down. He needs to make, he's, he needs to be making those plays all night. And what I would really like to see all afternoon, I guess, is him in the red zone. I mean, Anthony Miller has made some plays throughout the year on third downs. He's been targeted on third downs. He's get you some five and ten yard gains. That's good and great. Do something in the red zone because if you don't if you don't score in the red zone, you're not going to have success in this game. We know this. We talked about this all year with this team. And sometimes, you know, this is a good Saints defense. You have to give some credit to them. They'll, they'll likely keep Allen Robinson in check at times. Maybe they'll keep Jimmy Graham in check at times. And if those two guys are kept in check in the red zone, like. You can't just you can't just stall. You have to look for a guy like Anthony Miller. He has to get open. You have to have him as that third option in the red zone. And I hope throughout the week today, Friday, um, was their red zone practice. I hope they were designing some plays to get Anthony Miller open because in 2018, this guy was a legit red zone threat. I mean, we we when we got into the red zone, we thought. Uh, Anthony Miller was one of those guys we would target. And heck, Darnell Mooney isn't even one of those guys we target that often in the red zone. So Anthony Miller needs to step up because there is a good chance that, you know, Marshawn Latimer will be on Allen Robinson. They've got some good linebackers, some other good quarterbacks who could keep Jimmy Graham in check on a 1v1 ball. It's hard to do that against a guy like Jimmy Graham. But if if, if there's one area where I want to see Anthony Miller show up this week, as he rightfully should, it's in the red zone. Get in the end zone, Anthony Miller, and Chicago will love you. Maybe um, they'll, they'll, they'll you know, make it okay that you haven't really performed the past few weeks if you get in the end zone in the playoffs. So Anthony Miller in the red zone is something people should be talking about. I just want to bring something up. Um, you guys know what, what college Darnell Mooney went to, right? Tulane. Tulane, right? Yep. And you guys know where that's located, right? Oh! Yeah, Louisiana, oh. baby. Yep. So, look, look. He's not. I don't believe he was born there, but he went to school there. So I think this could be a cool little moment for him. Um, and you know, I, I'm looking forward to 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 seeing how D- Darnell Mooney performs because I know, and I, I think you guys know, like returning returning home, um, quote unquote home. Uh, you know, it, it means a little bit more. Um, you know, and especially a, a guy like that. He's a rookie. I mean, this guy's trying to you know prove a point and. What better way to do it where, you know, you spent three, three years, I believe, in college, three or four years in college, you know, absolutely torching people. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Darnell Mooney, but I'm with you, Kevin. I think uh, I tweeted out earlier in the week. I think would be a, this would be a good time for Anthony Miller to, to join us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Mooney, born in Gadsden, Alabama, which is only five and a half hours from New Orleans. Um, oh, but there you go. Um, <laughs> Regardless, uh, talking about the offense, though, still, I want to roll with this because obviously this game all hinges on Mitch Trubisky and what, and what Mitch Trubisky we see on Sunday. Uh, and it, this is what it comes down to for me. You win this game if you score touchdowns. You can't settle for field goals. You have to get touchdowns. We saw what good field goals did for you against the Packers. We've seen what good field goals did for you against the Indianapolis Colts in the beginning of the season. We've seen what good field goals do. You have to get touchdowns. You have to get seven points when you're in the red, especially when you're in the red zone. So for that to happen, 
we're going to need better decision-making in the red zone for Mitch Trubisky. You can't be taking sacks. You can't be running out of bounds when behind the line of scrimmage. You can't be forcing passes to Allen Robinson that nearly get picked off. We need to see better decision-making from Mitch Trubisky to get touchdowns. Field goals are not going to cut it in the playoffs. Field goals are not going to cut it against New Orleans Saints. You need to score touchdowns in this game if you want to win. You're right, but a lot of that hinges on what the offensive game plan is. The conversation all week was, ten, you know, Mitch can't throw past 10 yards. Why isn't Mitch throwing past 10 yards? What's going on? I, I, I honestly think that was the game plan. I, I quite frankly believe we have a report from Ian Rappaport that Matt Nagy was a little bit more involved in the play calling against Green Bay, and I think, you know, that had an influence on how the Bears wanted to run that offense, and they did not take shots down the field, really. Mitch Trubisky wasn't asked to throw the ball past 10 yards uh, a lot, so that that game plan needs to change. It's, it's not 100% all on Mitch Trubisky. Is it on him to an extent to take those chances? Yes. I mean, he has to be calculated. You know, you, you know, you have to weigh your balances there when you talk about throwing downfield and fitting in those tight windows and then, you know, not just checking it down or throwing short routes to Cole Komet. Like, you have to find that medium, but it has to be in the game plan to design these things. I mean, against Green Bay, these things were not being designed. We were designing little option routes and and short yard dra- drag routes and uh, out routes to Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham, and, and it was working to an extent, but against the Saints, you got to take more chances. you got to throw the, the ball down the field, and I can pretty much assure, for the most part, that 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 frequency of that happening against Green Bay was not on Mitch Trubisky. That was the game plan for this offense. So all oh, this that, we can that's have fine. Talk. That's all good and fine to me because the game plan was working. You had you were yes, but and you had the short pass game. My my point is the just the decision making in the red zone because you know like for example that ball to Allen Robinson that almost got picked off and luckily the Green sure. Bay. Uh, DB was not paying attention and dropped right in his hands because we've seen Mitch make those decisions in the red zone before. I just, I'm just saying I'm fine with the game plan because it got you to the red zone. It got you up to where you could score points, but it's just, once you get there, you have to, you have to cross the finish line. And in this instance, you have to cross the goal line. I, I just need better. You can't be forcing these throws into double coverage. You can't be leading guys out of bounds. You got to give them opportunities to catch the ball. That's the thing. I'm fine with the game plan. If the game plans, that's that's fine, especially when the run is working. Um, but it's just the execution in the red zone is what I'm saying. Like the decision making by Mitch has to be better on which throws to make and which ones to just tuck it. And and even in that vein, the decisiveness to run. You could tell he wasn't sure if he should run or not against Green Bay. Yeah. You know, there was a couple times he yeah. was dancing back there, like, should I go? Should I not go? He's got to be more decisive with that. He's got to make a decision, just go for it. And if I'm being, yeah, real quick, Chris, if I'm being honest, I I think after, you know, his little Taysom Hill stint against the Saints the first time out, that was kind of the first glance of him, you know, running the ball and then he re-injured his shoulder there. Since that play, he has been reluctant to get extra yards on the run. I mean, Mitch Trubisky's usually a guy who will, you know, try to get those extra yards and, and really, you know, almost in the past was criticized for being a run first guy, like running when he had guys open. That's not the case anymore. And you want to see that perfect mix of him taking those chances on the run. But I am a little bit worried that since that shoulder injury, he's a little bit afraid to do that and put his body on the line because he knows the risk of injury there. So I think there there is something to that, Chris. I, you know, Kevin, I, I've kind of been thinking about that as well, but like, I, I don't like that shouldn't be happening. Like you're, If Mitch Trubisky is like, you know know what I mean? Like he, him running helps this offense so much. And like, he can't be scared to do that, man. Like 
this is not the time for that. Because, yeah. I mean, look, he – what have we talked about since this guy's been in the league? Like, he's better when he's moving, you know? And how many times mm-hmm. have we seen Mitch Trubisky, like, you know, un- under a lot of duress and he just takes off, picks up, like, 15 yards? Like, you know, he has that capability. He's done it in the past. So, you know, he's got to, like – I don't know if it's I don't I don't know if it's a fear and obviously we're just kind of speculating here but um you know I really do hope that he continues to run like that they he has to make the defense respect that threat and if right. you know if that if you make the defense respect that threat I think everything we we were just talking about earlier in this episode will happen like the deep threat will be there you know the intermediate threat will be there the short th- like you open up so much um um just having that extra threat there um you know there's always going to be somebody just having an eye on the qb so you know that's what mitch Trubisky brings to the table and and you know he has to do that right there's no yeah. nothing that kills a quarterback more in the nfl than indecisiveness and that was one of mitch's things in 2018 that when he decided to run he decided to run and maybe kevin there is some credit to what you said about him the shoulder injury maybe he's less uh inclined to run now but you can't be then decide not to run. Decide to be a pocket passer. If you don't see what you don't see, throw it away. Get don't take the sack. You can't though be dancing around back there in a collapsing pocket when there's a lane in front of you saying, "Should I? Shouldn't I? Am yeah. I going to get hurt?" Like you got you can't be afraid. And like Chris said, now is especially not the time to do that. You got to decide what kind of player you want to you want to be. You got to decide if you're going to run or not. Because and even even with the Saints now missing their star defensive lineman, they'll still kill you. This is still a top three defense mm-hmm. in the NFL this year. They'll take your head right off if you're dancing around indecisive if you should run or not. So if you're going to run, run, take the lane, take the yards. Uh, if not, then scramble behind the line of scrimmage. And if you don't see or if you feel them closing on, you get rid of the ball because you can't be you can't be indecisive. Yeah. If he's indecisive like that, if he's scared back there, then you're going to lose the game. And, and that applies yeah, to the I, red zone, I, too. I, I just want to say one thing. Um like, I feel like that whole dancing thing kind of goes back to what we've talked about also in the past with Trubisky about, like, the panicking thing. And, like, every time I see him do that, like, that's always what I think. It's like, dude, like, come on. Like, and and, and Jake, like, you're 100% right in the way that you're saying, like, you got to, like, you you just, you got to go. You got to make the decision. Like, you know what I mean? There's no time to just, you know, be lolly, lollygagging back there. Like, it, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, he... You just got to do it. You got to do it. You got to make them respect that threat. And um, look, I'm, I've been impressed with Trubisky the last couple of weeks ever since, you know, he's become the starter again. I, I've been impressed. I think I think he's improved a little like he's not the, the quarterback we saw last year, in my opinion. Am I saying he's a great quarterback? No, I'm not. But I, I do think there has been some improvement. So I just want to see what, what, what Jake was talking about. I, I've been thinking about that as well. I do want to see him take off uh, more. Or be more decisive I, I, is the thing I was looking yeah. for. Yeah, and, and I was just going to say that it applies to the red zone, too. And we've seen him do that in the past where he just takes off and gets in the red zone when you're inside five yards. Um, sometimes those are some of the hardest plays to run when you're inside the five. And, you know, pocket collapses, breaks down, you roll out, just get in there. It's, a, it's an easy touchdown. But uh, real quick, as we're talking about the red zone, I mean, I don't, you know, I feel like last week was a little bit too cute. It got back to a Bears of old, Matt Nagy Bears of old. We're getting cute in the red zone. We're trying all these different things and these motions and these options. Like, stop it. Give me a fade ball to Jeremy Graham. At least try that once out of your four downs. It needs to be tried at least once. It doesn't have to be that hard. I mean, this is what was working for the Bears in the red zone when they were going on their offensive tear of 30-plus points for four games. It was, okay, Allen Robinson slant route, boom, 
Easy touchdown. Jimmy Graham fade? Easy. Let's do that twice in a game. He had two touchdowns against, I believe it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, these are the things that were working. Don't shy away from that. And those are your best chances. Um, we don't have to get cute. You know, the famous shirt, I believe, that goes around is is uh, less cute, more nasty, um, is one of the shirts that a lot of Bears fans wear. And, and it's the truth. I mean, just, you know, don't stop it. with the, You can do the motion stuff when you get to the red zone. That's great. And maybe you can do it one time out of the four downs, but don't do it every time. Don't, don't do all these little screen routes. Just give me a jump ball to Jimmy Graham because, quite frankly, when you talk about percentages of uh, whether the guy's going to score a touchdown or not, your, your chances are pretty high. If you throw a, a, a jump out of Jimmy Graham, I would love to see the odds, um, you know, the incompletion to completion rate of Jimmy Graham fade balls in the end zone in 2020. Uh, I would be astonished to see those numbers. I would imagine he he probably was denied maybe three times all year. I would imagine maybe three to four times all year. All of the times the dude's catching the ball there in the end zone. So you have to just simplify it. We, we've, been, we've said that in the past for this team uh, for years now. Simplify it. We don't have to get too cute. We don't have to get too, you know, crazy with it. Give your best players the ball. Give Allen Robinson his slant run. I promise you he'll score a touchdown. So that's that's the key. Uh, when you talk about keys of the game, that's the key for the red zone. Look, if if the Bears at the goal line ran three plays, if their, if their red zone offense consisted of three plays and three p- plays only, I genuinely think the Bears would be better off. Look, you run the ball to David Montgomery. That doesn't work to Allen Robinson, or you just literally throw it up to Jimmy Graham. You mean to tell me if you try all three of those things every single time out, you're not going to, you, 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 like you're telling me you're not playing your cards right, right there. I mean, you have an advantage every single time. And a lot of the times when the run is working, you get, they get to the red zone and I mean, they just stop running the ball. Like it, it just doesn't make sense. There's no consistency. And like, I, I just want to see, like you're, you're playing your advantages. You know, you, you throw mm-hmm. a jump ball to Allen Robinson. He's going to most likely come down with it. Of course, he's not going to come down with it every time, but I mean, you're playing your cards right like that. Jimmy Graham is an absolute humongous dude. I mean, this dude, he has a, he has the, the size advantage over everybody. It, it's not, I don't know. I, I just think when, once they get into the red zone, it has to be simplified more. Yep. Yeah, don't do not do the Cole Komet shovel pass when you're 15 <laughs> yards out. Save it for when you're five yards out, when it'll actually yeah. maybe do something for you. Um, it, yeah, Dave, I mean, the, it's the same thing. Run run the ball and then use the passing game complementary to the running game. I mean, that's been – it nearly worked for you. It worked for three quarters for, against the Packers uh, until you abandoned it and you had to throw some more. But, I mean, yeah, don't get cute. Just use what works. And I know, Kevin – there's going to be people say, oh, well, those passes, those the passing game was against the Jaguars and against the Texans. and Yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean it doesn't work against higher talent. It, you clearly have the dudes to make it work. So what's the point in completely abandoning it? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing, like, you could still try it. I mean, I hope and you would hope that in a playoff game everything's on the table, things that have worked, that they've watched the film from every game to see what works and what doesn't. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a little concerning. Uh, but now that the Saints have lost their star D lineman, you're going to have time for Trubisky to process what's happening across the field. Um, you're going to have more running room, certainly, for David Montgomery. So use that. I mean, run the ball down their throats and then pass it when you have to. I still think, I and I hope, and you win this game if you consider most drives four down territory like you were against the Packers. Be aggressive. I mean, mm-hmm. you, when you, you converted five fourth down conversions. 
uh, last week. So you know you can do it. You know you have the place to do it. So I think that should definitely, uh, if you see those go away, then we have an issue. But uh, let's get into our bold predictions for this game, and then we'll do uh, our regular uh, predictions, uh, score predictions. But bold predictions, uh, you guys got any off the top of your yeah. head that you ready for? Go for it, Kev. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, guys, January 8, 2011, the Beast Quake, all right? Now, 10 years later, in a few days, if you change, it's the second coming of the Beast Quake. That event shook the ground of, this, of, of Seattle, and the ground will be shaken in New Orleans for the Mont Quake. David Montgomery <laughs> will rip off an incredible 55-yard breaking multiple tackles on his way to the end zone. It's going to be all over. He's going to do some sort of crazy jump into the end zone, just like Marshawn Lynch did. It's the Montquake. He's going the distance, and it's it's going to be the dagger through the heart of the South. David Montgomery with the Montquake. That's my bold prediction to go along with a big, big day for Demon here. Yeah, I am actually going with... The guy that I brought up earlier, Darnell Mooney, I think, look, I said I, I predicted this once earlier, and I'm just going to go with it one more time. First 100-yard receiving yard, first 100-yard receiving game for wow. Darnell Mooney in the playoffs, you know, coming back to to where he went to, to school. Let's do it, baby. Darnell Mooney, first 100-yard receiving game. All right. Uh, I'm going to stick with the offense as well. Um, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm going to change it up. Eddie Jackson gets his first interception of the year. He finally comes through. We've been waiting all year. Oh, yeah. Eddie Jackson finally breaks through for his first interception of the year. That's my bold prediction. And, and Jake, this is really important, actually. There's something I wanted to bring up was this, this is kind of the vengeance for Eddie Jackson. He didn't play in the playoff game in 2018. He got injured oh, yeah. in that Packer game. He didn't an opportunity to play. I mean, this is his first time in a playoff moment. And, and guys, this I was going to bring this up, too, for Mitch Trubisky. Like, for some reason, there are players, I mean, and this is the difference between a good player and a great player in the NFL and any sport is your performances in the playoffs. I mean, we know that. That's why Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. That's why a lot of, you, you know, it's what separates good players from great players is what you do in the playoffs. And some players are just different. Once they get to the postseason, for whatever reason, some, sometimes some players who aren't even that great in the regular season are just different in the playoffs. Take Nick Foles as the prime example for that. Eddie Jackson could be that guy. You know, this is his moment. He's been waiting for it. He wanted it after the All-Pro season in 2018. It was his chance to play in the playoffs and, and help lead that team to the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. He had the unfortunate injury against the Packers. He was out. This is his chance now. And if there's one person who's been waiting for this moment, it's him. And he's ready to go. And he's had his opportunities. It's just got to come down with it. You just got to secure the ball. We know he had the opportunity last week. I am all in on that. I think he gets it. This is the vengeance game for Eddie Jackson. He's been waiting for it. He's ready. And he could be one of those guys who is just a different animal, a different breed once those January football games come. But we just don't know because we haven't seen it yet. So this could be uh, a discovery here for, for who he really is. I completely forgot about that. I completely forgot he didn't play in that game. Huh. Yeah. Uh, along with no tight ends in that game, you know? <laughs> and now you have two of them. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, so let's just get into it uh, to wrap it up. Our predictions for the game. Bears, like I said, 10.5-point dogs coming into this game in New Orleans uh, with the Saints getting Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara back, among others. Um, I mean, should I should I start? Do it. Look. All you, brother. I mean, it, are, are you? I don't know if I'm gonna make a prediction. I I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna put a concrete prediction out there. Uh, I might pull the Chris card. Well, kind of pull the Chris card. From last week. <laughs> yeah. 
in, yeah, and, you know what? And, and, and but like, I think it's merited. I think it's fair. You know, Shit, man. Like, listen, I'm not... l- listen, I'm playing the Chris card myself again. So, am I the I only one doing play. a prediction? Uh, well, I'm, if you'd maybe. like to, <laughs> if you'd like to, if you have a strong, if if you have a strong uh, feeling about, you know, if this game's gonna go either way, I mean, you are totally obligated to, you know, to speak your opinion. So. Well, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a prediction then because I mean we've been doing it for how many years now, so I'm gonna keep going with it. Um, <clears throat> listen, think, all right, just to recap real quick, things we've talked about in this episode: uh, Roquan Smith likely out, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney probably gonna play, Josh Woods in for Roquan Smith. Uh, things we talked about with Mitch Trubisky: got to score touchdowns, got to be more decisive, got to just be know what you're doing. Got can't be indecisive, can't be wondering should I, can't be hemming and hawing. We talked about the play calling, you know, mm-hmm. taking the shots, doing using the running game, especially with the Saints missing this D lineman, who's second in the NFL in sacks. Um, I am not confident in this defense. I'm not confident in this defense stepping up. Uh, I'm not confident in. Trubisky suddenly playing like he did in the fourth quarter against the Eagles two years ago. I think the Saints win this game 28-24. I am just not confident in this team. I know we talked a lot about this is how you win this game. This is what you have to do. I'm not going to believe it. Yes, we laid out the blueprint. Now it's just a matter of if the Bears can do it. Execution has been this team's fatal flaw all year. We've been talking all year about, okay, well, roses and daisies, you can do this, you can win if you do this. Um, and they hung with the Packers for three we- three quarters, three weeks, I almost said, for three quarters, uh, and for most of the game, kept it a one-score game. But then when it came to crunch time, this team just couldn't get it done. Um, I'm not confident in this team's ability to avoid the dagger punch, the, de- the stab to the heart, and I'm not confident in them being able to make the game-saving play on offense. I haven't seen it all year. We haven't seen it since the Eagles game, really. Um, we haven't seen it in a long, long time. I would love for them to shock me. I would love for them. I'm obviously still going to root for the Bears. I'm obviously still going to win this game, but my rational brain with the facts in front of us are that the Saints are likely to win this game. I think 10.5 points is gratuitous, but I do think the Bears lose this game 28-24. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they pull it together. But as it stands right now, I do still think the Bears lose this game. Well, Jake, I'm just going to kind of spin that in a positive way because you talked about, you know, they can do it. It's a question of if they will do it. And I think that's comforting to to an extent. And, and, and you can spin this positively because there are scenarios – and. This could be a situation where the Bears are simply outmatched talent-wise, and you're picking them to win because they're outmatched talent-wise. They just don't have the capability to keep up with the team in a roster like the Saints. That's not the case here. The Bears roster stacks up pretty well. So no, 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 it's not a talent yes, thing. Yes, but, but that's it's the a, point. And, well, for me, exactly. at least. And that's the point. Is like they, They've had lack of execution, but if they just do execute, they could win. And they could go far if they do execute in those games. So that so that's where I'm coming from. And that's why I've remained so optimistic throughout this year. And, you know, even going into this game and my belief for this team is because you know they have the pieces. You know they have the roster to make it there. You know it, these things can happen. They just haven't been able to make things go right and execute on certain plays that change the game. One interception last week and they maybe win that game. It's as simple as that. So going into this game, I'm saying they, they 100% have a chance to win. And you're right. I mean, you're 100% right when you say it's just a question of if they will execute 
I can't answer that for you. Chris can answer that for you. You can't answer that for me. We don't know. We won't find out till Sunday. But the playoffs are different, man. It's a different injury, energy. It's a different vibe. I maybe do have confidence that these guys are going to step up and treat this differently and, and, and you know, look like a different team. And, and, and as you said, one play goes their way. Eddie Jackson doesn't drop an interception. They could easily win this game. So I'm that that's the way I'm kind of looking at it because I know there's a lot of people ruling this team out and not giving them a chance. And pretty much every analyst in the NFL has picked against them. And I understand it. But at, to comfort Bears fans, they can win this game. They have the capability to do it. They are not outmatched. The question is, will they execute? They have not this year. They did not last year. They didn't in 2018 in the playoffs. Will they execute? If they do, not only can this team beat the Saints, they can do some damage further on. So execution, I mean, that's the word we played all year, and, and it comes alive in the most important game of the year. So I'm not going to give you a prediction. I'm just That's just my little spiel about my outlook on the game. Yeah, um, you know, I think you guys both brought some really brought up, brought up some really good points. Um, you know, j- one one storyline that I'm kind of really zeroing in on is just the fact that um, you know over the past couple of weeks, I've seen Bears fans or Bears players come out and talk about how they felt like they've been disrespected. Um, and you know, I, I love the mentality. Like, I love the fact that that's where their head is at. I love that that's what they're saying. But after a certain while, like. Those words are, are only that, you know, they're, they're only words unless you back them up with actions. And this is the perfect opportunity. Like this is this is it. This is really it. You you lose, you go home and your season. I mean, look, if the Bears lose this game, we're going to be looking at this season a whole lot different than we have been the last couple of weeks. And you can tell me differently. But, you know, when there's no football going on, when there's no actual game distraction, the, the feelings linger. OK, so this is. The perfect chance to avoid that this is the perfect chance to extend your season, continue your season. Um, and, and, you know, Bears fans, Bear, Bears fans deserve a playoff run. And I really, really hope this is it. With all that being said, I don't have very much confidence still in this game. But <laughs> like Jake said, I mean, all you can you do know there's is a chance. hope for the best. Yes. You course. know there's a chance. Of course. Right. And, well, and, and, and that's look. why I'm not predicting a blowout because I, yeah. I do think it's just a matter of can you make that final decisive play to pull ahead for the win? That's that's my whole thing. I, I, I genuinely think like I don't know. I don't know how to really view this and say this correctly because like the Saints have so much talent, but at the same time, like I you know, I look back at the at their whole season and they just haven't been convincing and that 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 thought keeps like running in my mind. It's it's in the back of my mind, like Man, they haven't been all that convincing. Like they really have not as good as they are, as, as much talent as they have. So there's always a chance, and man. Like like Kevin said. Real quick too, you know, I, I take a look at this team and the team from 2018, and tell me how much is that different when you look at these two playoff games. I mean, like the roster is not much different. They're healthier. Uh, Arguably, they're healthier because they were missing Eddie Jackson and tight ends who we knew played a big role in that game. So they're healthier in this game than they were in 2018. And, you know, they failed to execute in 2018 as well. So when people, you know, still are writing this team off, I mean, everyone thought that 2018 was going to win the Super Bowl. You know, how 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 much different is that team? Yes, they're, they haven't necessarily been executing as much. But again, the play, I'm, the point I'm trying to stress here is the playoffs are different, man. They are different. Maybe Mitch Trubisky is just a baller in the playoffs. The dude balled out 
against the Eagles in 2018. Maybe he's different in the playoffs. Maybe Allen Robinson is a different breed in the playoffs. That dude also balled out in 2018 against the Eagles. It's a different energy that's – it's indescribable. It's it, it's indescribable. You can't really put it into words how much, how different it is and what it means and certain and what it means to certain players. And that's reflected uh, when you talk about some of these players who just show up in the playoffs. Like uh, Tim Tebow throwing an 80-yard overtime touchdown to Demarius Thomas, which I also believe was 10 years ago or something to the day or nine years or eight years ago to the day. I mean, those types, these are the types of things that can happen in the playoff that in the playoffs that necessarily wouldn't happen in the regular season. There's a different aura to it. There's a different magic to it. Anything can happen in this team is, is, is not much different than 2018 when we were talking about a team that should have made it to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's what everybody says about that team. So I just want to bring that up again because I know the doubt is there, but we're all in that there is a chance and that there is there that is just evidence that there is very much a chance and these guys could step up and they have to, but it's a different moment. It's a different energy. Um, it's, you know, they feel disrespected. This is their time to go out and show everybody who they really are because for the whole year, they haven't shown them who they are. They've shown them a different version of the Chicago Bears, a version that no one expected. This is your time to show them why you thought you were a Super Bowl contender, why you have the belief in Hallis Hall that you could make it all the way. Sunday is the day that you show it, and it, and it could, you know, kind of write off everything that happened in 2020 if you show your true colors on Sunday. Yeah, I, I just want to flip it um, the other way really quick and talk about the Saints. Like, I mean, yes, their their team is different. You know, there there have there's been new faces, faces that have left over the past, you know, three, four years. But like you 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 look at the Saints, they're in the same position every single year. They they have been, you know, the past three, four years, I feel like. You know, you know, in terms of where they stack up against the league, like they're always up there. You know, they always look like a threat, but when it comes time to it, when it comes uh, to the playoff time, I mean, what do we know about the the Saints? They've, you know, they've fallen short. They've fallen short recently. So, mm-hmm. you know, and and you start to think about that, like after a certain while, and and some of the absolutely excruciatingly painful ways they've lost, like that starts to become a mindset. Like, you know, that that creeps up on you. Like, hey, shoot, man, you know, we we I hope doesn't go wrong again you know what I mean so it's just something to think about and I think we've all all three of us on this episode have been trying to find any angle to try to give the Bears an advantage and you know we like like uh, Jake said we've laid out the blueprint it's just about if, if they go out there and perform now Right. That's what it all comes down to at the end of the day for this game. Can you execute? Can you get the Mitch Trubisky that is decisive and uh, on point? So that's what it comes down to Sunday and 3.30. We'll see if it comes to fruition. We'll see who's playing, who's not. Uh, and that's what we're going to learn about this team. Uh, and then, you know, regardless of what happens in this game, you're going to get at least one more episode from us. Uh, to either end the year or get ready for another game. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I do, I, not, you know, depending on who plays and who doesn't for the Bears, and now with the Saints missing the guys uh, that they're going to miss, I, I do have a little more faith in this game, but I'm sticking with my prediction. Um, but still, I'm still going to sit there. I'm still going to be very hopeful. It's just a matter of can the Bears deliver the knockout punch? So we'll see. Yep. Um, Look, I, I just I, I just hate how we have how we have to continuously say that 
we don't think the Bears are going to win, but I promise we're still rooting for the Bears. Like, come <laughs> like on, we, like, yeah. You know well, what I mean? I, I don't want I don't want Kevin jumping down our throats again. Like, no, like, no, hey, what? no, 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 Kevin, no. I think Kevin is the one that understands. It's more so people are like, hey, man, but you know, you said the Bears don't have a chance. Don't celebrate now. It's like, dude, like, are you dumb? <laughs> like, like, yeah, like right. come on, man. Yeah, like, yeah, but I mean. Whatever. I mean, that's the ups and downs of fandom. That's the roller coaster that is being a fan. But we're all going to be there. Us three will definitely be watching, obviously. But until next week, that does it for us. We will talk to you, win or lose, next week. Uh, Hopefully it's a win. We'll find out. Again, we laid out the blueprint. Let's just see if they can execute. But for myself, for Kevin, and for Chris, as always, thank you guys for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Well, come.